right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. If it's Simple Man, that means it's all things BillOReilly.com. And he joins us now. Mr. O'Reilly, how are you, sir? I'm uh, busy, just like you. I'm not okay. in the country. I know you're down in Florida for the Patriot Awards. I'm, I'm down in the Florida for the Patriot Awards. I'm honored to be here, and the whole team is here, and uh, we're all ready to have a good time and honor people that deserve to be honored. I'm, yeah, getting, I'm getting an award, right? <laughs> no, you're not. I'm not. Stop. No, why would you think you're getting an award? Because I'm a patriot. Okay, all right. We're talking about patriots that go above and beyond the <laughs> line of duty. Why does everything have to go back to you? That's not. That makes your life complicated. All right, let me go to the Rittenhouse thing, and I want to go specifically at this idiot prosecutor in this case. I, yeah. I don't know how much of this that you watch. I don't know if you saw the moment where Binger literally picks up an AR-15, he has his finger on the trigger, and he aims the rifle in the courtroom at people in the courtroom. Then he goes even further using an image from Patrick Swayze's 1989 film Roadhouse. Then you, you, you're getting lectures. Oh, uh, everybody needs to take a beating uh, at some time. And Kyle Rittenhouse was too cowardly to use his fists. Now, I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking, you're really desperate if that's what you're saying. But with that said, we're in day two, and, of course, we are awaiting a verdict. And I do not believe the prosecution made their case. I think by the, the law of Wisconsin, Kyle Rittenhouse was within his rights to defend himself as evidenced by him running away, by him having a loaded weapon pointed at him, and somebody grabbing the barrel of a gun. You have videotape evidence. You have eyewitness testimony. Your thoughts? Look, this is not a difficult case to find out if this man intentionally committed murder. Rittenhouse. He clearly did not. And there isn't anybody who's honest that would say he did. But when you have these political cases, and you know that's what this is, the media comes on in. They want Kyle Rittenhouse to be convicted. They want his life to be ruined. They don't care about events leading up to what happened. They don't care that Rittenhouse himself might have been killed by the guy who pointed a gun in his face. They don't care. It's all about progressive racial politics. And that's the country in which we live. I'll never get credit, but I was in Atlanta when Richard Jewell, uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, comes out with a, an edition that says, fits the profile of the lone bomber because he lives with his mother. And I was the only person that said, because he lives with his mother doesn't mean a thing. It doesn't mean he's a terrorist. It turned out I was right. It also turned out Richard Jewell was listening to me say those words. And I got the first interview with Richard Jewell at the time. Now, if you go to Duke Lacrosse, if you go to Ferguson, Missouri, if you go to Trayvon and George Zimmerman, if you go to UVA, if you go to Freddie Gray in Baltimore, if you go to the Cambridge police bill, and then you can add on top of that the Russia collusion hoax, every single time the media does not allow due process, I'll add Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Clarence Thomas to the list, they don't allow the presumption of innocence, they create an expectation of a result that's never going to come when the actual evidence comes out. And I end up being right because I actually don't make a determination until I meet with the, the families, in the, for example, in the Duke lacrosse case 
or have sources on the ground in Ferguson telling me we have more eyewitnesses that will corroborate the story of Darren Wilson. They don't do their job, Bill. It's not it's not an accident that I always end up being right. And you always end up being right. We do our homework. The tragedy of all this, this in, you know, just putting the loss of life aside, of course, that's tragic, is that many Americans still believe in the justice system. And the justice system has collapsed, and particularly in big cities across the country where you can hurt people. I mean, the guy in New York City, you know the story. The guy stabs one cop, hits another cop in the head with a safe, and the judge lets him out with no bail. I mean, think back 10 years ago. That could never have happened. Never. And I didn't see, outside of the New York Post, a lot of outrage from the local media in New York because they're scared. They don't want to be pillared on uh, the tweeting, and they don't want to be singled out, and they, they want to play it safe. But when you have a criminal justice system that's basically collapsed in a nation of 335 million people, that's dangerous for all of us. What do you make? How much pressure do you believe this jury is feeling? Because there are people outside the courtroom, uh, outside the courthouse, I should say, where the deliberations are ongoing. If Kenosha don't get it, shut it down. They know what happened in the past. They know the unrest that happened in their city. How much pressure do you think this jury feels and more importantly, do you believe this can influence the jury in their decision-making? Well, the last line of defense is the jury, and we saw that collapse in the O.J. Simpson case. Um, so if a guilty plea comes back, I'm not going to be 100% shocked because people are subject to pressure from the people they live near. And there is a hardcore cadre run by Black Lives Matter in Kenosha that wants Kyle Rittenhouse to be convicted. So that's a reality. Now, whether or not the jury will stand up to that and just say, no, the evidence is beyond any reasonable doubt, he's not guilty, I just don't know because of the Simpson case. And, and I'm when I but, saw that. But don't you think the Simpson case was a little unique in as much as I would argue that was a case of jury nullification? No, it was a race play. And but it would, but that would be that would that by definition is jury nullification. But when I was out there reporting on it, by the I way, word of the day: jury nullification. I'm just teasing, Bill. Very impressive, Hannah. <laughs> you know, you're very impressive <laughs> linguist. When I'm just, I was there, I'm just learning from the best, Bill. Thank you. When I was there reporting on Simpson, I, I had the opportunity to ask the jurors after they acquitted Simpson, what was the one piece of hard evidence that you used to make your decision? They couldn't do it. And I don't think to this day any of the jurors on the Simpson trial have articulated why they let Simpson go when the evidence was overwhelming. I agree the evidence was overwhelming, but there was one huge mistake, and I did not think that the prosecution did a particularly good job in that case, and I do believe the attorneys for O.J. Simpson did a better job, and the moment when he put on the glove, and if it don't, it don't fit, you must acquit, 
That moment was very profound, and that was a mistake. Now, it turns out, apparently, according to analysis afterwards, that you know gloves have a tendency to, to shrink if they're wet or whatever. But, but that moment was pretty profound and I think gave an opening for the not guilty plea. Now, do I think he was guilty as hell? Uh, yeah, I think he's still out there on the golf course looking for the killers right now. So what we have in America is a jury system driven primarily by emotion. And there's a lot of emotion in Kenosha. And those people there, they're afraid. They are afraid. Now, I don't believe they're going to convict Rittenhouse. I think in the end they'll acquit him. But I know they're afraid. In, let's look at the three cases. Immediately when the lead star witness for the prosecution admits he pointed a loaded gun at Kyle Rittenhouse before Kyle Rittenhouse shot him, okay, we can, we can put that charge aside. Then you've got an example, and I was kind of shocked that the judge allowed this, this provocation lifeline uh, to be thrown out to the prosecution in the last moments of this case here. That, in other words, you lose the right to self-defense if you provoke the incident in the first place. Now, you regain the right to self-defense if, in fact, you try to remove yourself from the situation. When we see the video and then couple that with the eyewitness testimony of Kyle Rittenhouse running away from a group of people, what looked like a mob to me, and then they actually get him on the ground and you have that still store shot of this guy with his foot ready to pound it right into his face, into the pavement, which could cause seriously serious bodily harm or death. That defines the, that, that that is by definition a right to self-defense moment. And then in the third case, you got this guy holding on to the barrel of Kyle Rittenhouse's gun. That, too, would represent a not, uh, a not guilty uh, verdict because, again, it's self-defense as the law is written in Wisconsin. Well, let's hope that the jury um, puts emotion aside and summons the courage to do what everybody has seen. I think if you took a poll tomorrow among all Americans who are following this case, 80%, 80 would say not guilty. I think you're probably right. I think that's an accurate number. Now the question is, what happens if a not guilty verdict across the board comes in? You see people gathering outside the courtroom. You see agitators ready to agitate uh, people with political agendas. We had 530, what, four or five riots in the summer of 2020. Interesting, we don't have a congressional committee for that. We don't get lectures on the Constitution and the rule of law from Liz Cheney. Uh, there's not a single commission or committee investigating. We, we lost dozens of Americans. Thousands of cops were injured, Bill. How come, we only, how come Washington only cares about the one riot which we condemned and not all the riots that took they place the in the summer of 2020? They fear the Washington Post and the New York Times and the corporate network news press. They fear those people. Now, we're in trouble in this country, Andy, because you have a collapsing justice system where in cities like New York and Chicago and L.A. and San Francisco, people can hurt you and nothing will happen to them. Nope. You have then anarchy. And there is no move that I can see of from the Justice Department. And you ask what will happen. The National Guard is there. And that, of course, is big. And
and I don't think the National Guard are going to step aside to allow lawless behavior. I think they'll clamp it down hard. All right, quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue more with Bill O'Reilly, all things O'Reilly, BillOReilly.com. From Florida, it's the Sean Hannity Show. All right, we continue with Bill O'Reilly, all things O'Reilly at BillOReilly.com. What do you think of the, it's been, what, since the last time somebody was actually brought into court over a contempt of Congress charge was 1983. People like Henry Kissinger, who we both know, Janet Reno, Harriet Myers, Josh Bolton, Eric Holder, Lois Lerner, Brian Pagliano, Bill Barr, Chad Wolf. They were all also held in contempt of Congress. It doesn't matter what your feelings about Steve Bannon are. Why do we have a selective justice system, a dual justice system? That doesn't sound like equal justice and equal application of our laws to me. It's not. Um, With Mr. Bannon, he goaded the congressional committee. All he had to do was walk in and take the fifth. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to make a display of defiance. Now, the only guy that you referred to is G. Gordon Liddy, the Watergate burglar, who did the same thing. He basically said, I'm not answering any questions. I'm not coming before your stupid committee, and I don't care what you do to me, and he served time. Um, Other than that, in our lifetime, there hasn't been anybody charged with a federal crime of contempt of Congress and actually arrested and arraigned. So is it political? Sure. There shouldn't even be a January 6th investigation in the House. Why are we bothering? You want an investigation? Appoint a special counsel from the Justice Department. Go on in and do it that way. Why are you doing a partisan investigation in the House? What Bill, it's a pre- they have a predetermined outcome. You know it. I know it. Everybody listening to us now knows it. That's why they kicked off Jim Jordan and Jim Banks. Um, by the way, um, I want to give a quick plug. I think I'm going to make it to your Tampa show. You're doing four shows around the country with President Trump. I'm trying to work out my schedule. You'll and... be lonely because the show is in Orlando. So oh. I-, I will give you direct. You know, you know, you're, you're such a jackass. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> And and by the way, and you, I know you've sold over thirty some odd thousand tickets, um, but there are some tickets available. They're very big venues, and it's just going to be you and Trump, and it's going to be about the history of his presidency and the impact of it. And uh, we'll see what happens. And I hope All you'll right, introduce Bil- us in Orlando. On uh, why why I get paid to do things like that, Bill. We, I don't do those we, things we for have, free. We have, honey, we have money. <laughs> We've sold more than 30,000 tickets. That's true, you do. Unless you get and, free uh, snacks backstage. And I, I get free, just bring the Tito's vodka. Uh, anyway, Bill O'Reilly, all things O'Reilly. If, if you're interested in seeing the president, President Trump and Bill, uh, just go to BillOReilly.com. Thank you, sir. All right. and gentlemen we'd like to take a second to hear the immortal bob grant's thoughts about the world today hey uh, ladies and gentlemen it's sick and it's getting sicker now back to the sean hannity show man it's sick and it's getting sicker 800-941 sean you want to be a part of the program we're down in florida i it seems like i think i had originally been planned I don't want to say who, but I was very honored to be asked to give 
one of the Patriot Awards to somebody that I really admire. I'll tell you tomorrow who it was. I don't know if they know if they're getting it. That's oh. the problem. Oh. So I don't want to break. The, but can't, my, can't they watch? We could tell people to watch. Yeah, they can. But, you know, I'll pro- I will be live doing Hannity because of what's going on in Wisconsin. So I'll probably miss most of it. And my son and his friends are coming down here, which will be pretty cool. Why, why are you smiling? I Listen, I love when your family's around. I think it's a wonderful thing. You know, I rarely talk about them. But it's fun. It's fun to see you guys together. And he's a grown-up now. I've known him since he was about eight Thank God. Old. The more he grows up, the better it gets for my life. 100%. Yes. 100%. He's a hard-working capitalist. He's, he's doing great. I'm, I'm proud of him. But I say that with my fingers crossed. <laughs> I, I think you got everything crossed, actually. Every, every, no, look. He's, he's a great kid. I'm very blessed. But um, anyway, so he's I don't he's going to have to decide to watch Dad, which he can do every night anyway, or watch the awards. I think he'll choose the awards. Well, I think he's going to be in there, so he'll probably watch the awards. Yeah, I think yeah. so. It's going to be super fun. Uh, are you going, by the way? I don't know. Am I going? I don't know. Do You're welcome. Dressed up? Well, I'm what are not, you wearing? Are you I'm wearing, wearing jeans? My uniform. Jeans, uniform? a blue shirt, sure? and a jacket. Yeah, oh, okay. my uniform. Are you going to wear a tie? No, hell no. Why? I'm not wearing a tie. You look so nice. Anytime I'm out of the studio, I don't wear a tie. Is that right? I don't. I wear a tie literally for 61 minutes on any given day. Do you know the how maximum? To, do you know how to tie a tie? I tie my own tie you every do? night. I do. Do you make a Windsor or a regular? A regular. Okay, I'm just asking. Oh my god. I don't know all the answers. Uh, most of the time, I do. All right. Anyway, we're uh, on jury verdict. Watch 800-941. Sean is on number. You want to be a part of the program? Uh, Brad is in South Carolina. Brad, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. Thank you, sir. My comment is I, I hope the board comes out innocent, and that's what he is. He's a kid. i got a couple questions. You know who's really at fault to this is the law enforcement in that town. I'm a 22-year law enforcement veteran and U.S. Marine Corps veteran. And I'm telling you, that stuff would have never went down in the county where our sheriff is now, Spartanburg County. We wouldn't have put up with that. Spartanburg County wouldn't have put you're, up with You're it. talking about the initial rioting that took place in Kenosha, correct? Yeah, I see police vehicles there and people pushing trash cans down the street. That would have never flew. And two, oh. my other point is, I can't believe a 17-year-old kid would even go down there, whether he was asked, hired, or anything, felt like he could have made a difference and taken a, take a... Uh, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. on this point. Now, maybe he had all the altruistic motives in the world, but when, you know, uh, Adam Schiff is about to hit the fan, I don't think you should be there or put yourself in a position knowing what we had known in the summer of 2020 in the 530-some-odd riots that Liz Cheney and, and the rest of the committee of January 6th don't seem to care about when we lost dozens of people and thousands of cops injured. Bricks, rocks, bottles, Molotov cocktails, and worse. So, well, first, thank you for serving your country, Semper Fi. Thanks for your service in law enforcement. Um, but with that said, we don't, we're now at a point where uh, most cops in most cities don't feel that they have the backing to do their job. How do I know? Because I have a lot of friends that are policemen and police women, and my family is in law enforcement. And they feel that it's open season on them. You have seen all the videos. You have seen cops literally confronted by anarchists, you know, busting, burning their cars, uh, assaulting cops, throwing fluids all over them, buckets of water even. 
and getting away with all of it. You know, with all the talk about all the people involved in January 6th, okay, I don't support rioting. If you don't obey the law, you should. there should be a punishment. But the punishment should also be applied to the people that were rioting and looting and involved in arson and taking over city blocks and burning down police precincts. Uh, we should have equal application of the law in those cases, and nobody wants to talk about that. The only reason we talk about one riot and not all the riots is because the one riot they want to talk about, they feel they can bludgeon Donald Trump one more time. That's what Liz Cheney's motivation is. Otherwise, Liz would be leading the effort to form a committee to look into the 535 riots. So to me, you know, this is a predetermined outcome sham committee, and it's not worth the, the paper it's going to end up being printed on. They already wrote it. Right. Second point is, did his parents know that he was going down there? I think so. I interviewed his mom. She was a lovely lady, and her answer was that this is who this kid is, that he genuinely has a calling, a, a desire to help people. Um, I don't doubt that at all. Apparently, he did help some people. Uh, in each instance, though, you know, for whatever reason he's there, whether it was a good decision or a bad decision, that's irrelevant to the case. What's relevant is within the law of Wisconsin, did he fear for his life? Did he fear th that he was facing serious, significant bodily harm? I would argue a pointed, loaded gun at your head uh, would fit that definition. I would argue that when you're being chased by a mob and you're on the ground and you're about to have your face kicked into the pavement, uh, you're at risk of serious bodily harm or even death. I would argue if somebody grabs the barrel of your gun and you have to defend yourself, knowing that if he gets the gun, they likely would turn it on you, it fits the definition of the law based in Wisconsin. So on the law, it doesn't matter why he was there. It doesn't matter whether it was a good decision or a bad decision. It, after midnight, after 2 a.m., there's not a lot of good that's going to be happening wherever you happen to be. And it's better off if you're home, in your bed, safe and sound. But, you know, young kids, they, they don't, they just don't think the same way as mature adults, unfortunately. Now this kid is, his whole life is hanging in the hands of this jury. It's gonna, and we'll see what happens. Juries are notoriously difficult to predict what they're going to do. There's enormous political pressure in Kenosha outside of that courthouse that I'm sure the jury is keenly aware of. But if they follow the law, he should be found not guilty on every charge, in my view. Uh, appreciate the call. Thanks for being with us. Uh, 800, uh, that was Brad in South Carolina. Iowa, we have Tony standing by. Tony, hi, how are you? Glad you called, sir. Great, Hannity. Thanks for taking the call. I'm, and I'm following this. Well, I was too little nervous. You know, if they, if they convict him, uh, I just think it's going to embolden more and more rioters. You know, those are the ones that, sure, there was a certain percentage that were out there to just, even though they were breaking the curfew, they were out there to protest. But it's those, well, frankly, the ones, the kind of people that got shot are the ones who are emboldened by, uh, you know, this this protection to where, oh, if there's, a, there's not going to be anybody out there with guns because of this verdict, everyone, you know, the, the law followers are going to be too scared to come out with a well, gun now. Like, I, uh, I think people have been emboldened. No, no, very few people have ever been held accountable for the 535 riots 
that killed dozens of Americans, injured thousands of cops, and caused billions and billions of dollars in financial losses for many businesses. Either they were robbed and and there was looting, or they were burned to the ground. Their businesses were burned to the ground. And nobody seems to care to hold those people accountable, even though in many of those instances we have videotaped evidence. Uh, look, I, this, this has been a, a pet peeve of mine for a long time. Ferguson, Missouri, we had people on video committing crimes. Why we didn't track each and every one of them down is a mistake because you are emboldening people. You're telling people you can get away with it. You're not going to face consequences. The same thing when it happened in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, at, that was the Freddie Gray case. And the couple in Missouri that stood their ground on their porch while their community was being stormed. No. No. Yeah. And, and apparently they went down. I think they're in Kenosha now, too. I don't know why they're there, but they apparently want to. They feel so strongly about the case that they feel compelled to go there. Uh, anyway, good call. I appreciate it. 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. Sharon is in Houston, Texas on KTRH. What's up, Sharon? How are you? Glad you called. Hi, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to say that I can remember the day when um, when Rittenhouse would have been considered a patriot and a hero in the community because he was there to help a community effort, of a team of people that were cleaning up from previous riots and burnings and lootings they were they were just doing a community project and we cannot let this criminal element that has developed take over our culture and society like this we have to we can't let them make us afraid so that we stay inside our houses and we don't come out and we don't defend ourselves and i believe that he's standing for all law-abiding citizens for the right to defend ourselves and, and I'm praying for him. Uh, look, do I think this kid probably went there as stated for altruistic reasons? Yeah, I, I, I kind of got that feeling that he's sincere. Um, do I think it was a wise decision? I don't. Because knowing what we know, having seen riot, having covered one riot after another riot after another riot, um, you just don't need to be there in those moments. I have, for example, those a couple of friends of mine that were in Washington around January fifth and sixth, and I, I, I advised them all to stay away from any trouble, and they all did. They didn't listen right away, but they all eventually listened, um, because I know what can happen. I follow these stories. I report on these stories. I know where the natural outcome of these incidents. I know where this is headed. It's not there's not a lot of good coming out of it. Um, anyway, appreciate the call. All right, quick break. We'll come back. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, more of your calls coming up straight ahead as we continue. We're in Florida today for the Patriot Awards for Fox News. But we will be live 9 Eastern uh, watching the events unfold in Kenosha. Stephen is in South Carolina. Stephen, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. Thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to get off on a tangent uh, a little bit about uh, to make a point about the current illegitimate administration's handling 
of the vaccine mandate for healthcare workers regarding the China virus. I was calling on behalf of my wife, who uh, has been a state employee for the healthcare system here for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And she will be losing her job in two weeks because she thinks the, uh, the vaccine is uh, basically a HIPAA violation. If you force me to show you. Can I, I ask you a personal question that you don't do not have to answer? Did your wife ever get COVID? No, no. We've been following all the mask rules and no, I under, listen, even people that follow the mask rules, these breakthrough cases are real. A friend of mine's kid that fully vaccinated uh, got COVID yesterday. Uh, it's there are hot spots all over New York again. Um, look, I'm, I'm not I, as I've been saying, there's nothing I'm going to say or Fauci's going to say or the CDC is going to say or the NIH is going to say or or, you know, the the blubbering idiot Biden is ever going to say that's going to convince you. So the she sounds like she's made up her mind. Um, I pray she doesn't get this. I strongly urge you to stay in contact with her doctor. Um, I don't know if you know what monoclonal antibodies are, whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. If she ever gets a positive test, uh, you immediately need to contact your doctor. I have found anecdotally that it has worked for many people, um, but that's going to be up to you. But I will t- say this. For people like your wife, in the worst moments of this pandemic, went into a basically a work environment that was a COVID petri dish, and were diving on COVID hand grenades every day. They were the heroes, and now we're firing the heroes, the nurses, the hospital workers. And to me, that's unconscionable. Would your wife accept a, a test if get tested um, if that was? made available as a choice for her. I only got about 10 seconds here. I'm just saying which, that, that's not a choice. It's basically a, just a violation of the Tenth Amendment. There's not a choice. You either get faxed or prove that you're vaxxed. It, if she vaxxed. had the choice, would she accept it? Yes, but that's not an option, okay. sir. Well, I, it's sad to me, and that's why I've been trying to get people to, to back off the mandate and at least thread the needle so people won't lose their income, their benefits, and their pensions. 800-941-SHAWN, our number. You want to be a part of the program? We'll continue.